American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. So I have to ask you about one thing from the weekend that really caught my eye and has had me a bit torn on what to think of it. What is your opinion on the milkmen, the men dressed as milkmen in Kansas City? Yeah, I, I noticed that um, there. And by the way, good to see those Indian fans traveling well. But uh, I don't know. I guess it gives us something unique. The baseball seasons, you see a lot of different things going through. Like, I mean, we've seen guys dressed as parrots for Edwin. And I guess it's our version of the Aaron Judge, uh, Judge's Chambers. But just the milkman so i I personally it would be great if it caught on because we haven't really had anything like that aside from the people dressed as parrots which i don't really know how well that flows together but it'd be nice if we could get something like flowing for one of our bigger players but hey i'll I'll take the milkman i don't know how markable it is i don't know if it's gonna make an appearance in the show like the judges chambers does yeah i thought it was fun i don't know but it was like 90 degrees in kansas city and these four (laughs) guys are holding jugs of milk like in the old glass containers. Oh. And it just oh, seems gross. I, I, do you think they drank the milk? I, I have no idea. I <laughs> hope not. But also at the game, too, was Travis Kelsey was there. There was the Milkmen. So it was this weird group of Indians fans. Marlins man was there on Friday is, night during the flood is Travis game. Travis Kelsey an Indians fan? He is from Cleveland Heights. Okay. so Because he, he, I saw you give Jason Kipnis the high five after yeah. his inside the park homer, which was fantastic i actually didn't get to watch the game but i saw that in itself and what a way to get your 100th homer like that's perfect yeah and for a guy who's struggling mm. i and guess without doing the slide yeah just ran right through right to jason kelsey or travis kelsey yeah i get it mixed up but starting out going back to friday night how i mentioned there was the flood game the fountains broke marlin's man was there a lot going on but everyone's going to remember it for the two quick home runs Cody Allen gave up to end the game in four pitches. I left the room seemingly, I think, okay, an at-bat will go by. I'll come back in. I'm back in, and the Royals are celebrating. And you've, you've written about it, and the closer role, I mean, it hasn't really been defined for three years now, I guess, but what are kind of your thoughts on Allen and what they're going to do moving forward? Well, I mean, at this point, I would assume that they're going to keep Allen in there for the remainder, the remainder of the season as the closer. But at the same time, they've kind of used a revolving door recently with uh, the combination of Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and Brad Hand. And personally, I guess the best way to go about it would just be playing matchups right now. I get that Cody Allen, like he's always the scapegoat. He's always the one that sends Francis to a frenzy. But this is just his fourth blown save of the year. And he had only four blown saves last year and three in 2016. So... It's not like he's notorious for blowing saves. I mean, four blown saves out of how many games we played so far this year is not like a huge deal, I, I don't think. But And interestingly enough on that stat, Brad Hand had five in San Diego before he even came over. 
<clears throat> so everyone's saying uh, the lovely Facebook commenters too. We need to trade Allen, which they can't do anyway, or cut him and let Brad Hand close. And then if Hand blew a save, it would just be the revolving door of the same cycle, even though Allen's been better. I mean, Brad Hand has had himself a remarkable season since coming to Cleveland. Like, it seems like it's a tale of two seasons almost, even though he was an all-star in San Diego. Coming to Cleveland, he has just been absolutely lights out with a sub-two ERA, which Andrew Miller actually has as well since he's come off the DL. So I guess that's kind of the unappealing stat is that they both are rocking sub two ERAs and just retiring people left and right while Cody Allen is kind of just on the back end there, kind of on the back of people's minds. Like, Oh my God, are we going to have to put Cody Allen in here? Which in reality, he's not our worst bullpen guy. Like he's, I'd much rather have him out there closing the game than now Ramirez or Dan Otero. Yeah. He's he's. I mean, he's in the top three, obviously with Allen or Allen Miller in hand Simber, Adam Simber, I guess, could eventually work up to that, but yeah, I mean, he's right now card. he's not going to get more ninth inning work over Cody Allen. No, and it's a closer by committee system anyway. So, I mean, Allen being out there, it's not. Some people think like, oh, Terry Francona has made him the closer. He needs to be out of being the closer. It's like no, it's matchup based, and he's a right-handed pitcher. So, just he was just the right pick for that game. It just didn't work out. Yeah, if if it does work out, then no one even thinks two two things about it or whatever. But I do think that it just whenever those situations are exposed and you see him kind of falter like that, that's when fans are sent into a frenzy. And just by name association, as people are going to panic. Like if it was Brad Hand who blew that save, then it's not a big deal because it'd be his first blown save as an Indian. But because it's Cody Allen, fans are going to freak out and always. It's the Cleveland way. Just assume, like, assume the worst. Like, oh, we're doomed. Where this is exactly what's going to happen in the playoffs. Which, in reality, I'm assuming they're just going to keep playing the matchup game in the playoffs. Not to mention they're probably going to have um, Mike Clevenger in the bullpen when it comes to the playoffs for that first series, anyhow. And maybe Josh Tomlin too. Don't know. <laughs> That's where I started to get into a frenzy because I thought like maybe coming off the DL he would uh, be a little better. And he just come. He came out, and once again, he's just allowing runs. And it seems like he is so susceptible susceptible to the home run ball at this point that he can't be trusted. Yeah, one thing from Friday's game, kind of get your thoughts on, and my, I share mine as well. Is when situation happens, like Allen blows the save, and you go on Twitter, lovely Twitter, where there's the clash of, you know, this sucks. Allen blew it. He needs to be out of there. And then there's people who are saying. No one should be mad about this. It's a regular season game. I kind of fall in the middle where I'm like, you can have emotions. Like, that's the whole point of watching sports. You're not just supposed to watch and be like, oh, they lost. I don't care. It doesn't matter till October. Are you kind of that way, too, where it's like you're mad, but you still put it in perspective? Yeah. I'm definitely mad in the moment. I think there's a good... And you're supposed to be. You're 10 a fan. Minutes, yeah. 10, 10 or 15 minutes after the game where I'm either like slamming my fist into the table or i'm chugging a beer to just try and forget that that just happened and then after those 15 minutes i'm like why did i just get so mad like it's just the regular season now come the playoffs and i start my emotions start to change like i don't get mad i just get like depressed because i'm like oh my god the season's gonna be over soon like i'm more more so depressed because we're not gonna be watching baseball anymore which is just a real bummer but i um i don't know i I, my question for you is actually what comment section do you think is worse, Twitter's or Facebook's? When it comes oh, to reactions, it's Facebook's. Facebook. I uh, see. I don't use Facebook enough. See, I try not to, but I've been, I've been a site editor on fan sided since 
late 2015. And before that, I had no exposure to crazed Facebook comments. And I ran the Cleveland Browns page for Fansided, which was just awful. And now I run the Indians and the Bills. The Bills is tame because just not a lot of people comment in general. But the Indians page, sometimes I'll look just for fun. But, man, there are some crazy just hot takes, um, people not understanding how the league works. Um, And my favorite thing about Facebook comments are that people's names and faces are attached to these crazy comments. Twitter, you can have a goofy picture, any picture, and just some random handle. But people cuss other people out, will say just horrific things about players with their name attached. Like they have no sense that that's not okay. Mm. That's um, that's one thing I've like noticed. Like since I've gone like gone back on Facebook to kind of post our links and like kind of look through look at the uh, the page we have on there, I see the droves of hot takes. And I think since you said like the Bills page doesn't really have that kind of issue, I think another part of that and it's, in itself is just Cleveland fans in general. Like we can all admit as Cleveland fans that we can be very crazed people sometimes because we've suffered for so long, and I just think that adds a whole other element to overreacting to regular season games and you know this team is going to make the postseason but at the same time you're in the back of your mind it's like well they're not as good as the Red Sox they're not as good as the Yankees and it just kind of like hurts your feelings a little bit as an Indians fan when you see this kind of loss but at the same time they they are as good as the Yankees if not better especially right now with how the Yankees have everybody on the uh, DL and then they went into Fenway Park and they took two games from the Red Sox who happened to have the best home record in all of baseball, which is something that can be said for the Indians who have not played very well on the road this year. Yeah, to the quick point about um, Facebook commenters and just being Cleveland fans in general, I think Facebook has reached the point where you can post a picture of a dog, for example, and you'll have people saying, oh, cute dog, like normal people. Then someone will be like, I hate dogs, like, blah, 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 that dog's dumb, I would never get that dog, and it's just like, anything you post now, you're going to get negative and positive, but yes, Cleveland fans are a little more vocal and aren't afraid to share their opinions. We could post an article that literally said, we are like upset about the loss, but we're still positive for October. You'd have people saying... Anyone who doubts the Indians is a fake fan. And then you'd have other people saying, there's no way this team wins. And, like, you can't win. I think that's one of the things that, like, us as writers understand that, like, when you look at comments, you really have to take it with a grain of salt and also not take it personally. Yeah. There's never any optimism in the comments, it always seems. If if someone comments, they're commenting for something negative. No one ever comments and says, great article. I guess my last kind of takeaway from the Facebook thing and... You originally asked which one's worse, that or Twitter. I feel like our Twitter following, and maybe some people are listening to this who follow us on Twitter, and that's how you found it. I think we have a pretty positive following, our website, because I think that fan side in general and our site, we don't really put out a lot of doom and gloom, which it would just be too stressful to do. But I think Facebook, it's just people like it because we're an Indian site. They don't really interact or maybe not even read it. They just do it for headlines. So it's like a whole different animal. But we can move yeah. on from that. I could talk on fa- I could like write a thesis on Facebook comments. And I know you wanted to talk about kind of switching gears to another kind of hot topic right now that will get 
polarizing comments as well. It's kind of what Jose Ramirez has been up to lately. Yeah, it's actually been kind of painful to watch him. Like, it feels like we're going back to April where he uh, just not, did not have good numbers whatsoever, and he was held the uh, the first four games of the year without a hit. So now, like, looking back on it, and I think it actually could hold some ground and have an effect on his MVP chances, but he has just been terrible in the last week. And I have the numbers right here. In his last seven games, he's batting 115, which is something I just had never seen coming this year. And then his on-base percentage is only 223, and he's slugging 154, which if you're slugging 154 for a guy that has 37 homers, that's just absurd. Yeah, it's tough with him, too. I mean, with any player, you're going to go through your ups and downs. So if you hit 300, maybe one month you were just horrible. But the other months, it was way better. But with him, I think we expect so much. And we want him to see him win the MVP award. And things like this, you wonder maybe he's still he's still a young player. So maybe it's just he's going through the struggles that a normal young player goes through and we're ignoring it because we look at him as kind of an MVP caliber player or it could also just be one bad week or a bad like a bad few weeks so it's tough for me to gauge or get too up or down about it but it still is concerning especially against the Royals yeah well I mean I guess the whole thing that it's, it's one bad week is a good perspective to put it into because if you look at his entire month of August as a whole he still has an on base percentage of 378 and he's still batting 250 which is not horrible by any means and you compare that, I mean, like, he's, it's, it's his worst month of the year by far, but he's had some pretty impressive months to boot, so that's saying something. That's the thing with baseball that's tricky and why it's, I mean, I think the whole analytics blew up is because you're dealing with so many percentages. So if you're dealing with someone who has an on-base percentage of, let's say, 350 or just round number 400, six times out of ten they're not getting on base. So if those all mm. come... Like, two games in a row, you never get on base. It looks way worse. But when you put it in perspective into the numbers throughout a whole 162-game season, it's not as bad. So it's I guess it's tricky to call it, a I guess, a true slump, but I guess by the normal definition, it is. And yeah. it's also bad if his down period is coming at the end of the season. Yeah. Well, at the same time, yeah. You, I mean, you, we still have the entire month of September for him to try and kind of rebound. And then I think another perspective into it is similar to what he had in the month of um, August last year in September when he was trying to get to 30 home runs and he just like he just started to pull a lot more like it seemed like he was adjusting his swing to try and get those home runs. And now I think it's kind of in his head like J.D. Martinez and Chris Davis are now ahead of him in the home run category. He's fallen down to third. I feel like he's just trying too hard to get those home runs when I mean, yeah, he's a home run hitter, but he's he's known for his extra base hits like stretch it out and just get those doubles instead like he's when he gets on base and gets a double it's almost guaranteed that he can try and steal third yeah i i guess i hope it's more of a mental thing because that would mean there's no like mechanical issues with them <clears throat> but that i mean i could see that being the case as well just trying to press and hit home runs even though like it's not what we need them to do it's just a yeah. nice bonus and, and then another crazy stat to it which has just shown how well ramirez a season has going is that he has a 11 strikeouts in his month and that's uh that's up there for the top in the season considering i mean he had one month where he had 19 strikeouts and one where he had 13 so the fact that he's had 11 strikeouts and we're saying that he's slumping yeah is a pretty big deal considering he doesn't really strike out that yeah, much he's one of the rare players i remember seeing someone maybe it was buster Olney or something tweeting about it 
And it's like, you know, in this era of strikeouts on the rise, a player like Jose Ramirez sets himself apart because he just doesn't strike out often. Like, he's hitting mm-hmm. home runs and doubles, but he's not just flailing at the ball. He's not, like, last night, Giancarlo Stanton had four strikeouts, I think, for, like, the fourth time this year. So if you're weighing an MVP case, it's like, is that better than what Jose's doing? Maybe with a lower average but more efficiency? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thought process has always been you want to try and get contact at least, like to try and get a chance to get the ball in play. But it felt like for that and uh, the entire Red Sox series, he just kept popping the ball up on the infield. Like he could not get the ball past the past the infield, and it resulted in just so many easy outs for the Red Sox, and it would prevent the Indians from really advancing any of their runners when they had Lindor and Brantley on base. Yeah, and I know yesterday he had a kind of an unlucky line drive double play, so making some better contact just. I guess going through that period of bad luck that Jason Kipnis was just going through before Sunday's game. And when I say yesterday, I mean Sunday. We're recording Monday. Um, but I don't know. It's I was writing earlier, and I'm like, you know, the Indians, when we're recording this, they have a 13-game lead in the division. And the rest of the season is pretty much just about everyone being healthy, getting back to form, getting their averages back up. So with Ramirez... It's something that we're talking about now, but I guess really it doesn't matter as long as this isn't the case a month from now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Heading into, like, now we're heading into September. If that's the case heading into October, then I would definitely express a little bit more concern. But he has a track record of kind of going up and down every other month this year. So in that case, he would be up in September, and hopefully it doesn't mean he's down in October. But I think at this point, like, it's kind of just one week out of a long season. It should not be something that we should definitely look over too much, and that should be said about the team as a whole because I think the Indians have def- they definitely did not have a great week in this last week where they it felt like they were going to be great taking those first two games from the Red Sox, and then the Red Sox can just come right back and beat up on them, and then they go into Kansas City as if they almost overlooked the Royals for two games. So, I mean, they dropped four straight games, which sounds bad but i mean it's really not something that you should look too much into i don't think yeah one reason i do get a lot of the angst and worry from fans is you know after being so close to winning the world series it was kind of a elated feeling like you know we're gonna get them next year and then last year losing those three in a row to the yankees it's almost like this year it's tough to be patient in the regular season because it's i i did assume for most people it's almost a world series or bust feeling because you know people say well you know the rest of the al central is horrible and there is the small possibility that that remains true for several years say all the rebuilds go bad it's possible but it's a likely case that the white Sox, the twins i don't know about the royals what their situation is they are bad yeah maybe a little longer maybe the the white Sox and the twins have a good chance to rebound a bit but so it's it's not going to be gonna this cruise to the postseason like it's been so it's kind of this dwindling i don't like to use like windows of contention i just think it's baseball such a random sport but mm. kind of the window of surefire we're in the playoffs i think this front office has done a good job of maintaining to keep that window of contention open sent from 2013 till now like we've done a good job of being pretty consistent aside from the disappointing 2014 season. But I just, uh, 2015 as well, but I just don't see it like as 
that they're losing. I mean, yeah, we're, there's a chance that the Indians could lose some significant players in the offseason with Michael Brantley, Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, etc. But I don't think that's... I think they're kind of preparing for that. I think that's why they went out and are trying to acquire some outfielders, and that's why they went out and acquired Brad Hand and Adam Simber, who are under team control now for more years, and why they've kept their rotation to the point where this rotation that the Indians have now is under control until 2020. So they, I think they do a good job of keeping the team in contention at least. I think the farm system is something that you could look into down the road of being concerned, but they still have some pretty elite prospects there. But I just I don't think like this is a World Series or bust. I mean, I do think it's a World Series or bust type of year because the team has the capability of making the World Series, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't. Yeah, I agree with that. I just find myself sometimes getting caught up in the man if they lose in the in the if they don't even make it to the World Series again, it's going to be so. I mean, we're all going to get excited next year. It's we're all mm-hmm. Indians fans, so you get excited every year. But it's just tougher and tougher. It almost gives you like that early this decade with the Rangers kind of that feeling like man they were so close like one fly ball away from winning and then it's like are we ever going to get there is there going to be the same excitement at the stadium like if every if Kluber's winning Cy Young's and Jose's winning MVPs but they never win the World Series it's just tough but I'm not doubting them this year I still see them as very capable of winning the World Series and I don't even think that's biased and that's what Terry Francona like has a a knack for doing with the Indians is that he manages to make them a better team in the second half, which he's done now for the last three years, which in hindsight, I think he missed, he must've learned from his mistakes with the Red Sox and how they blew that division lead back in, um, what was it? 2009. I forgot about that. Yeah. Whenever they blew their lead against the Yankees, I, I feel like, uh, he's definitely learned from that mistake. And part of the issue, I think that was 2011. Part of the issue was they said that he was, just having too much fun with the clubhouse. Like, the guys are going out and drinking with him and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of idiots on that team, too, mm-hmm. that just didn't really respect him. But, yeah, yeah, I guess it was a good learning experience. And it cost him his job, and I think that that was enough for him to realize, like, hey, I can't just be doing this. Like, I need to make sure this team is focused in the later months of the season. I guess kind of moving on um, to a happier topic, not my pessimistic World Series or bust predictions. Looking back at the players' weekend jerseys, I wrote about how my favorite was Shane, who went by not Justin Bieber. I thought that was hilarious, and I would love for Justin Bieber to acknowledge it and make a tweet out maybe not Shane Bieber, something like that. Might break the internet, but other ones that were good, I mean, I don't know if they're good. The Indians were trying to heavily promote Kipnis' dirtbag name. I think it's, Which is, I, I guess, like, I mean, I get it. That was his his nickname forever but it's, but it's not, not a that great nickname. it's not that clever mr smile we had cory kluber had kluber on the back of his jersey which is just like perfect for him i guess but although last year he did have clubs and i re- i realized that he refuses to acknowledge Klubot, but it's a pretty good nickname the best one though from all of baseball maybe rich hill who wore dick mountain with d period <laughs> mountain um, people who saw it might just be like, oh, Mountain, whatever that is, because his name's Hill. Mm. Oh, that's what I was trying to figure it out earlier. Duh. His name's Rich Hill. So it's, Dick for Rich. Perfect. And then Mountain a, for Hill. It's, I the was transi- like, it's the translation. Yeah. This is one of those things that flies over my head. I go, I just can't figure out where <laughs> they got Mountain from. Like, oh. But that's good. He sh- I think you should wear that every game. And then we had 
Matt Holiday had I Touched Home. So a lot of good ones. I do think the Indians, like, in general of their nicknames, they have some, like, really good ones that they wore last year that should still be. And I was like, Bauer Outage is just a great nickname. Like, that looks good on a jersey. And the same thing with um, Andrew Miller's Miller Time. Like, I actually got the T-shirt that said that just because I thought it was perfect. And then um, one that kind of went under the radar for the Indians was um, Brandon Geyers, and it was El Pinata, which is, of course, like a, a tone to him constantly being hit by pitches. And I, I just thought it was, like a, it was like a good little joke that kind of uh, not very many people noticed. And then, of course, Brad Boxberger had the, the Boxberger emojis on the back of his jersey. Which I did is, like that one. I think that was probably, like, the best one of the weekend, although I think Shane Bieber's is up there, too. MLB Network did a good, did a uh, like the a starting nine or starting lineup for uh, all of the uh, the nicknames on the jerseys, and both Bieber and Boxberger made it on there. My other main, I guess, takeaway or point from the weekend was it's crazy to me how MLB, I guess the younger players not this much, but like the league and the older players, it's such like a stuck up league at times where you have to apologize if you like lightly toss your bat after hitting a walk-off home run and then they do stuff like this and you still have some players like refusing to acknowledge it or do it and i'm like this this stuff is fun and i think it's the way the game's gonna go obviously they're not gonna wear jerseys that say dick mountain every single week <laughs> but like doing it a few times out of the year and like even letting everyone wear special cleats i mean do it every sunday or something it's always mm. like family day anyway at every ballpark so but yeah i think the cleat thing like they don't need, like, super extravagant cleats, but, like, let them have, like, do some work with their cleats. I mean, we saw that there was an issue with uh, Mike Clevenger earlier this year when he got in trouble for wearing custom cleats. Like, the league just came after him, and he made a joke about it, like, how it's not, like, the league just doesn't want to have any fun or something like that. I think that, you, like, letting them wear, like, custom cleats is a good once-a-week use. I understand, like, not letting them use custom gloves, I guess, because the illusion aspect of it, like, they don't want to make the ball hard to, harder to see or something like that. but I think I it's think also the, like sponsorship agreements. Be like, hey, we want you wearing our cleats. We're paying mm-hmm. you all this money. But at the same time, the companies could sell like designed cleats, and they'd probably sell better than just like a plain black pair of... And on the topic of the Indians, like if, like a different thing to do on Sundays, bring back the cream jerseys. Come on. Those were great jerseys. I love those. And with the, they looked great with the red hats, too. Like if I know the uh, the Chief Wahoo logo will be gone next year, which I mean I'm assuming they're just going to put the uh, the All Star Game patch where that was for next year. But if you're going to go that far as to like make that such a drastic change on the uniform, then give us like a new alternate uniform or an alternate logo if we're not going to have Chief Wahoo anymore. Yeah, maybe bring the vests back from the early 2000s or whatever. No, 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 no. I do not. Like, I do not like the, the vest. The vest is something like the Rockies. I think still use those. I wasn't a fan of those. Yeah. No, it looks goofy. It looks like a little league team. I do think the um, jerseys. yeah, I do like the um, the old ones that they had the um, <clears throat> the road ones that said Cleveland with like the, the kind of cursive writing instead of how that like it's the block writing now. Or do I still like I do still like the road jerseys we have now, but I think the uh, the cursive road uh, road ones that said Cleveland were a good pick. And same thing with home, like just some, something different, like. We have the, the same three jerseys that we wear all the time, and at least this year they're kind of mixing in the white and gray a little more. Last year it seemed like they wore the blue jerseys every day. So yeah. I would like to see something different. 
I may be wrong, and I don't want to just group everyone together, but I feel like younger fans, I don't want to say millennial fans, because I, I mean, it's just annoying. I think we fall into that category. We, we are in the age category. But I just think it's, we're used to just, like, other sports, everyone's allowed to, like, have fun and, like, express themselves. And you come back to baseball, and it's like, playing baseball is stressful. It's so hard. Like, it's very difficult to hit a baseball, catch, catch one, throw a strike. It's like when you do something good, it's fun to like celebrate a little bit. Mm. You're not as long as you don't like flip off the pitcher or something. I mean, yeah. or do something crazy. It's it's like in basketball. If your team celebrates a three, you're not insulting the other team. Yeah. But baseball seems to be if you do anything, like oh well, you directly insulted the pitcher. He's going to throw a baseball at your head now. Like what the heck is this? It's the stingy old men that say like the unwritten rules cannot be changed or whatsoever. And you know what? They're unwritten rules, so. They're not actually rules. Yeah, and it's back when baseball, it's like, all right, we won the World Series. Let's go smoke cigars in the locker room and drink. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to see a, I want to see a good, like, I think the Astros did a good celebration when they won the World Series this year. Like, they, the whole proposal, and I forget who was it that got proposed. Was it I think George Springer? Springer, right? Was it Springer? Yeah. Have you seen their new home run celebration they do? Mm-hmm. So there's a gif of it, and it's all over Twitter. They all, like, get in the dugout, and then they all turn at once to the camera that's in the dugout and stare at it. That's great. It's actually, it's, I like Jason Kipnis being carried on his shoulders mm. every blue moon when he gets a home run. But the Astros one is definitely up there. And stuff like that, it's just fun. Or, like, the silent treatment when a rookie hits a home run and everyone ignores him. Yeah. I, I think baseball does have that fun a lot. Like, at least they they do mix it in, like, for the clubhouse, like, so that all the guys in the clubhouse can kind of, like, have some enjoyment. But and these like these things like where players weekend is mixed in, it's a little more fun. But I think we're on the right track at least there. But it's like when people complain about bat flips and stuff like that is where it kind of gets on my nerves. Yeah, really quick too before we kind of wrap it up, I just thought of a topic that came out last week. I think we might have missed on our podcast cycle. Just touching on the 2019 schedule that is out. You wrote about it. A few points I noticed before I toss it to you. I, they start end of March in Minnesota, and then they finish at a National League park against the Washington Nationals, which is just the worst schedule. Yeah. At least they fixed it so, like, one of the, one of the series is uh, on the weekend is it gets the Reds. But because it's just a two-game series, that results in the Indians actually having a Friday off, which right I don't think I've ever seen. Break too. I don't think I've ever seen a team have a Friday off unless it's like postponed yeah. or something like that. Like, in this, in July too, prime yeah. time baseball weather. And then um, there was that, and then like actually they play the Nationals. Uh, the, yeah, the Nationals is the last week. Yeah, and then they on play the, the road and with NL rules. And then they play the Phillies on the road two weeks before that. I'm pretty sure, or the Phillies come to Cleveland. I'm not sure, entirely sure which one it is. I know they play the Phillies, and then the the Royals, and then they go to the National League Park, which is just absurd like right before the playoffs you're gonna make your pitchers hit right like you're gonna make an american league do that league team do yeah that. like if we're in a division race which is entirely possible i mean look at last year with the twins mm-hmm. how they overperformed yeah you're gonna have what if you need like kluber bauer and they're pitching and it's a close game and one of them like gets beamed or something mm-hmm. and then what if you have them like if you make the wild card team or the make the wild card game after you just had to have your team play in national league park and and Kluber or Bauer just had to pitch or hit. Then how you like who's starting that wild card game? It's just yeah. there's a lot of things that factor into it. And next year's schedule, it's, 
I'm guessing I I mean I imagine it's hard to make a schedule for 162 games for 30 teams and like make sure it all kind of coincides but can't like if you do it every year it can't be that bad yeah throw the just take the worst two teams in baseball this year and make them play each other at the end of the year in an american league ballpark because there always has to be one interleague series but just have like i don't know like the padres and the orioles play each other that'd be horrible for travel but that concept of just bad teams you not can't two have teams a team that are like, likely going to be contending. I mean, I don't know about yeah. the national next year, but it's fair for them though because they're at home. Mm. But having an, a top AL team be on the road is just dumb. And I know it comes down to they start with one team and probably start filling it in from there. But mm. and then with the start of the season be, being so early, I mean, I saw a good tweet. It was like, oh, it's the time of the year when everyone starts complaining about next year. But you know, there's going to be. St- snowed out games i mean oh, minnesota is yeah. about as north as you can go to play a baseball game over under how many snow outs will the indians have in the first two weeks oh 2.5 over under and I'm we, going i think we over it's minnesota and then right back to cleveland so yeah it's not like this it's year like, where we started off out west like you're supposed to do and they want to like f- finish the season earlier but i remember when the indians game seven of the world series in 2016 was first day of november and it was 70 degrees. Yeah. So I'd rather have them take a chance on November weather over March weather when we could still get blizzards up here. Yeah. But that's enough, I'd say, ranting on the 2019 schedule. We can get to that Yeah, we have plenty of time year. to talk about that, I'm sure, in the offseason as well. Yeah. Breakdown series by series. But with that, we'll call it an episode. Remember, maybe you are listening on iTunes already, but if you're not and you found this via Twitter, our website, or on Spreaker... We are on iTunes. Um, as soon as I hit publish on the episode, or one of us hits publish, it's immediately sent to your phone if you're subscribed. You may get a notification if you have those on. So if you like our show, our second episode, be sure to subscribe. Give us a rating. Five-star ratings are nice. They help us out. It's true. I have to check again if we are on other streaming services like Google Play. Both of us have iPhones, so we are unable to check. But like we said last week, if you have an Android or not an iPhone, tweet at us, let us know if the show's on. But yeah, we'll be back next week, hopefully after a good week by the Indians. Any, yeah, not, uh, not talking about slumps next week, that's for sure. Yeah, and if we are, we'll also, well, in other news, we'll have the roster expansion to talk about. So that is true. That will be fun. And the, uh, the waiver deadline. Exactly. Yeah, maybe we'll be talking about some new Indians players. Well, we will for sure with the roster expansion, but mm. with some trades. But we will sign off. I'm Stephen Kavitza, and I was joined by my co-expert Carson Farrell. As I said, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating, and let us know what you think of the show. See you guys. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.